Hello, and welcome to Real Money Powered by CanStar, a podcast about real people and their real money stories. I'm Effie Zahos, CanStar's editor-at-large, author, and finance commentator. Over the past 20 years plus, I've enjoyed helping Aussies make the most of their hard-earned money. CanStar is Australia's biggest financial comparison site, helping over 10 million people a year compare finance products and make better money decisions. Before we get started, a friendly reminder that everybody's circumstances can be different and nothing we discuss here today should be taken as personal advice. It's always best to make your own inquiries before making any decisions about your finances. More and more young adults are choosing to stay at home with their parents. But house prices are not the only reason. Cost of living is rising. Employment is less secure. Young adults are choosing to stay in education longer. And for some, well, let's be honest here, the convenience is just too good to give up. But at what cost? On today's episode, we meet a real-life Brady Bunch. Suzette and Craig have three out of four adult children from previous relationships living at home with them. They talk about the financial impact this is having. And one of their kids, Nicola, shares how she is making the most of this opportunity. Plus, I'm joined by the founder of the Spending Planners Institute, David Wright, who offers his tips for families. Welcome, Craig and Suzette. Now, you've been together for about eight years and you've both got adult children from previous relationships, ranging from 18 years to 24 years. Three of the four kids are living with you full time and you've got no idea how long this is going to last. And we've actually got one of them here with us today, your youngest, Nicola. Look, this sounds like many parents' worst nightmare, adult kids living at home. Maybe, maybe not, but from a financial point of view, I'm guessing it's no easy task to juggle all this. Craig, Suzette, can you tell us a little bit more about your living situation? So there's the three of them moved in. They started with sort of going between the two houses. As you said already, there's a mixed relationship from two previous marriages. With COVID, though, we found that a number of them actually stayed here because it just made sense for them with not having to move around Canberra a lot, as well as also we having a bigger house. It meant that we could absorb the extra kids a little bit easier than some of the other households. Craig, it, it must have been nice having them all home, especially during COVID. But how do you feel about all that? It's certainly been very, very complex and difficult to juggle over the years. But these days, the kids do all their own chores. They look after their own meals. They look after their own washing. They do some of their own cleaning. So at least it means we don't have to juggle the complexity of whether you've got, you know, a full house or an empty house on any particular night. So hold it. Let's back up here. You're saying your children do everything at home, the cooking, the cleaning. How did you manage to get all that done? Well, I wouldn't say they do everything, but they do look after their own situation. Look, I've got a 15-year-old and a 21. I can't wait till they leave home. But that's me all talk at this stage. You're saying that your children have no impact on you financially. Let's talk a bit of dollars and cents here. How do you manage the household finances with so many kids at home? Suzette? I won't say that they don't have any impact. They absolutely do. Uh, The hot water bill, I think, has definitely gone up. But in regards to balancing it is that they do, as Craig said, buy their own food and take care of that side of it. We have a cleaner that comes every fortnight. We cover that. 
they do pay some limited board based on their circumstances. They've all got sort of different circumstances and we've taken that into account. Ourselves though, because I've had the house for, you know, for a very long time, don't have really the high mortgage that you have at the moment, which has really definitely helped. And we also do have a solar array and a battery, which has come very useful earlier this year when we had the big storms and we had blackouts. But it also means that the hot water is defrayed and a lot of the electricity bills and utility bills are defrayed with the solar array. It sounds like you got things pretty much under control, but I know you've started your own business and you're still in the process of building this up. I can only imagine when you're starting your business or building it up, that income isn't as steady has that added any further pressure to having, you know, the kids at home? Most definitely. We've taken some investment for our startups. So there were some terms and conditions around that, that we couldn't pay ourselves very large founder payments or anything like that. We had to cut back on a lot of luxuries and that sort of thing, because we, you know, essentially have a new baby that takes a lot of money, a lot of effort, and actually having to feed that in the short term. And so the support from the three kids and how they fit into the household has really helped us in that respect. I love how you say you've got a new baby. Craig, you mentioned that some of the kids were working, some weren't. Just briefly, can you give me an overview of how different are they with their money management? We've got some really extreme differences in our children. My eldest, who's about 24, he's worked some contract roles, but for the last couple of years, he's largely been unemployed and found it very difficult to find work. And part of it is that, you know, he's on the spectrum and that makes it harder for him to present at interviews. So he's really struggled to find meaningful work and it was even very very hard to get him onto any kind of income support initially. Can I ask what his name is? Kyle. Kyle, right. Okay, that's Kyle. And your others? Our second eldest is my daughter, Alex. She's now in her third year of a computer science degree. And currently, she's actually secured a paid internship with PwC. The other two who are Suzette's, the eldest there, Matthew, he came out of school and pretty quickly stepped into a role where he's walking four days a week. He's very, very comfortable sitting there just doing four days a week and spending the rest of the time partying with his friends. And our youngest, Nicola, this year, she's taking some time off study and primarily working two part-time jobs. She could work into any business in the country and get a job within a couple of minutes. She's very competent, very clued in, and really it's about what Nicola wants to do rather than about what the world is necessarily offering. So she'll always find her place in it. So Nicola, it sounds like you're the golden child. Either that they've just brought you in because you're the only one that wanted to come on today. I've got to say, I always talk about my kids, my ROI on them. So the return on investment, I'm a bit sketchy with one of them. One I think may be okay. But all jokes aside, I just really want to get your feelings as to what are some of the best things about having your kids at home. Love of being able to catch up with them. We sort of like almost in some ways act as roommates. We've got sort of two halves of the house. The kids occupy one half of the house and we occupy the other half. In the middle is the kitchen and that's sort of area where we can get together. So it's great in that respect that we have our own space, but we get to be able to see them every day. We're actually very animal focused. So Nicola and my son Matthew came and sort of conned me around getting two kittens to foster a kitten. So we're being able to share the animals, but also family's really important for me and having them around is great. There are a few days where I wish, you know, we had the house to ourselves at times because there always at least one child in the house. But yeah, look, I think overall I'm, I'm happier to have them with us than not. Yeah. Nicola, I want to bring you in now because you've sat back and listened to, you know, what's being said here. How do you feel about what you 
hearing. Pretty much expected. We do look after a lot of our own expenses. Like I pay for a lot of my own dinners. I'm out a lot at work, so I pay for it all there. But it's been good. You still like living at home? I do. I have had thoughts of moving out, but I don't earn enough to be able to just move out on my own. But I'm pretty comfortable with what I am. Yeah, because you are fairly young and you've got these two jobs that you're juggling. I'll cut straight to the chase here. Are you making the most of this opportunity living with your parents? Do you save a lot? What's your goal? I definitely want to save money. That's why I've recently picked up the second job. I definitely save more than a lot of others. Like I have co-workers that don't have much because they're paying rent and stuff but I also am the only one of the kids that now pay for all the cars because I'm the only one with the license so I've got that as well. You need to come and move in with me I think Nicola (laughs) if you're that good. (laughs) So do you actually have a goal in mind? Has it ever crossed your mind about buying a home, the affordability crisis that we've got here? Does that worry you at all? At this stage you're more concerned about just knuckle down, enjoy your life, your young why wouldn't you of course you would and not worry yet about the gold do you have that dream of owning a house one day I do I have thought about it it is just really expensive to live in Canberra there isn't really many places you can go that's really affordable so it's definitely a dream I don't know how close that dream is going to be Yeah, Canberra is actually a very expensive place to live. So are these discussions you've had with mum and dad? Can I put your parents on the line here and just ask, did they give you great money lessons? I'd say so. Like I will admit that I was given a lot more than a normal average kid would. I was very lucky with that. But I also think that taught me that not everything is given in life. Because like growing up, I did get that. I'm not going to be able to get this. Or especially when I started earning my own money, I started like thinking about saving for certain things. It sounds like you are a good little saver. I last month organized my first trip out of the state without my parents and that was something that I saved and paid for all on my own and that was a really good fun day. That's great. I guess staying at home that's given you the opportunity to save and enjoy these experiences and if you're going to spend money they do say that spending on experiences is far better than you know spending them on a pair of shoes so at least you're spending in the right area. What you're saying that you're worried about the prices of homes and probably not jumping onto that yet is very common. I mean, it is common for a lot of kids to stay at home, whether they're trying to actually save for a deposit or, you know, have all intentions to, but the lifestyle kind of gets in the way. So I think we might bring in David now, David Wright. And I've known David for a while. He's a good mate. And he has focused for more than 20 years on budgeting and helping people reach their money goals. He's also the founder and director of Spending Planners Institute. So David, hello, welcome. What are you hearing here? What are your thoughts? Wow, interesting, because when I was invited to be part of this, I thought, oh, this would be so easy because it's just so clear cut. But this isn't clear cut. Some of the rules that I would have said, look, this is really simple, this is how you should treat this situation, don't necessarily apply. Well, let's break it down. I'm interested that, you know, Suzette and Craig said to some extent it's had an an impact on their financial situation, but not so much. I'm putting my hand up right now. My kids have cost me a fortune. If I did not have these kids, yes, I'll be very lonely. Kids, I love you. Of course I do. But I'd be living in Elizabeth Street, smack bang in the city, in a one bedroom apartment overlooking Hyde Park for sure. For sure. So is there a compromise here? Well, you're talking about opportunity cost. If you didn't have to house the kids, you could have an apartment. Sounds so cruel when you say it that way, but yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) 
It does. And look, in Suzette and Craig's case, they've got a family home. There are rooms there. The, the kids can come and park themselves in the rooms. It just seems like, well, why not? And from what I'm hearing, to a certain extent, they're paying their own way. I can't imagine what it must be like in the kitchen when you've got at least four different menus all going sort of around the same time. You know, I'm having this and I'm cooking that and I've got my ingredients. So there could be a little bit of bedlam there. But the question really comes down to do you charge board or rent or whatever you want to call it? And if so, how much? And I'm hearing that you've got different incomes. So how do you fairly say to the kids, look, you need to contribute, you need to rent that room off us or pay some board when you've got one who's capable and one who's not. So David, if I can just jump there, Suzette or Craig, can you go into a little bit of detail? How do you do that? Because I know a lot of mums and dads would like to know a little bit more information as to how you actually break it down per child. Look, I didn't think it was fair to charge them the same amount because they are in three different levels of ability to pay. Now, Kyle pays the least because he's getting some government assistance. So taking that into account, what we do, though, is get him to actually do some additional chores. And then the other two, the way we sort of did it was up to a certain point, it was essentially a percentage of what they were getting. So obviously, you know, over a certain amount, that was theirs. We worked it out based on what people could pay, what people were contributing to the household and what seemed fair. It's probably not the true cost of how much it is, but it's not bad. I think that's a very smart way of splitting things up. Nicola, I've got to ask you, please tell me you got the best room out of the boys. Unfortunately, I don't. What? My brother's got the bigger room. <laughs> is that Matthew? Yeah. I hope Matthew's paying more because by square metre there, I think it should be worth more. That's something you can take offline and argue there. No, I'm pretty happy with the room that I got. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Well, a smaller room takes less time to clean, so there's an advantage there. (laughs) (laughs) So, David, you did mention that this isn't as straightforward as you thought. Is that because of the complexity of blended families? Partly that, but I hadn't really considered the, there's always a human factor to it. I mean, we love our kids and we do everything for them, even sometimes to their detriment. And if I can throw in a tiny little anecdote, when I was probably three or four years old, I was home with my mum. I remember we had an oven with some eggs in them. Mum was incubating these eggs and they started to crack. And I'm going, oh, you know, the chickens are about to hatch. I said, can we break the shells open and get them out? She said, no, 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 no. We must not do that because if we do that, they will die. They have to break their way out of the egg to develop the strength to live. Even though I was only three or four years old, that lesson, I remembered that all my life. And it's too easy for parents to go, oh, I want to give my kids everything and do everything for my kids. And they're actually harming them. They're actually making it that they will be limited in their ability to stand on their own two feet. So Craig, Suzette, I'm both seeing nodding your head. Craig, more so. Do you feel you've given your kids too much? Oh, I don't think we've necessarily given them too much. I do reflect on their situations compared to ours because by 24, I was working in a startup. I had already started buying property. We're property investors to this day. We hold shares. We've started a lot of businesses and grown them up and take them in various ways. And I'm looking at the kids and saying, gee, none of this seems to have worn off on any of them. Like they've picked up a few of the lessons, the money lessons in the home. But none of them are sort of showing necessarily the same entrepreneurial spirit that we've shown. Nicola, can I get your thoughts on that? 
it's a little bit harder these days, I would think. <laughs> it is a lot more expensive to like live around Canberra, especially to buy properties. But I wouldn't say necessarily that like I have no interest in owning a business, but I definitely have at least a drive to know what I want to do. Can I respond to Nicola? I was a high school teacher for 20 years and in every year level, there was a handful of kids who stood out and were just high achievers. And do you know, the one thing that made them high achievers was they knew what they wanted to do. So the fact that you know what you want to do is awesome. I definitely know that I want to work with movies. Like it's always been something that I've been really passionate about. And it also lets me use my skill of art. So David, how can Nicola or I guess any young adult at home make the most of that opportunity while they're there? Should Nicola be doing something? specifically now I know she's enjoying life at the moment she seems like she's a great saver <laughs> so what would your advice be here well Nicola said earlier that you know she's got work colleagues who have less money to throw around than she does because they're paying rent and she knows that she's got a benefit of being at home so I'm a big advocate of playing games and so for Nicola one game could be I am actually renting and I am paying the same rent as my work colleagues and so live on a shoestring as if I was renting out in the marketplace rather than being at home and put that money away. So, you know, if you're saving, great, but see how far you can push that because I've yet to meet the person who regretted saving too much money, but I've certainly met plenty of people who regretted spending too much and borrowing too much. The advantage you've got right now is awesome. Make the most of it. Craig and Suzette, you heard David talk about opportunity costs. Does that concern you, thinking about it that way now? Does that worry you? Do you see this going on for a long time for you to be concerned that actually it is stopping us from downsizing, upsizing, tree change, sea change, whatever? I suppose from my perspective, I don't really think of it that way because for me there is obviously the opportunity cost but having children was always important and I wouldn't trade them for anything although having her on and listening to this at the moment probably is not great. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> No, we, we play around and we, we do have a good relationship. In regards to the longer term, like we were going to move to Canada. That didn't happen with COVID and we had to sort of reevaluate. Look, if we really seriously needed to downsize, that wouldn't be a problem and the kids could organise that. But at the moment, we do like where we are. We're comfortable. And ultimately, the kids here isn't really impacting us in a massive way to the point that we would actually feel that we have to do it. Craig, is there anything about having the kids at home that worries you? Yeah, to me, the biggest thing is, you know, the kids, because they haven't lived out of home, they don't necessarily know what it's like living themselves or in a group house or, you know, in trying to afford rent. And that's the biggest thing. I'm worried that they don't always see how good they've got it in their current situation. And that's a hard one to capture. But they do have friends who are in that situation. So at least they can see it from that perspective, as Nicola was saying. But they don't have that firsthand experience, which I think accounts for a lot. And it does. Look, like I said, my 21-year-old, she's moved out of home. And look, a mum that talks finance day in, day out, she probably got her best lessons on her own, where she had to actually do the budget, shop herself, pay her 
energy bills herself. And I talk to my kids regularly about money, whether they like it or not, <laughs> they're listening to me. But it wasn't until she actually moved out and has become such a good budgeter, such a good investor on a limited income. And you're absolutely right, Craig. We've got to let kids make mistakes. We've got to let them find their own feet. We can only do so much and give them as much information, but until they actually go out and do it themselves, which is why one of the best lessons for my daughter was a part-time job. And it sounds like your kids are already in there, which is great, but they're the money lessons that they're really going to learn. And to get back to the bird scenario, we were talking about chickens and eggs before. If you think about nature, when the chickens are ready to be out of the nest, they get pushed out. It's like, it's time you flew. Are you saying I should push my kids out, David? No, no. (laughs) But they come back. (laughs) From what Craig said there about, you know, the children haven't experienced living away from home. Sometimes it's a good idea to say, look, for the next six months, you have to live away from home. And then if you want to come back, you're welcome. Just to give them a taste of reality. And Craig, are you worried about what the future may hold for them? We know affordability is a real issue with young adults. And there may be cases where some young adults may never be able to afford a home or whatever their goal may be. Are you concerned about that? Yeah, I am quite concerned about what it means for the great Australian dream of buying your own home and just everything that comes following that and all the opportunity that allows. And I can see potentially at least a couple of our kids will probably never end up owning property. We do have some investment properties and I've always had that in mind because there are ways that we've looked at that to say, how do we split that amongst the kids or use it to give them a home eventually? And that's still something that's in our thoughts. But a lot of it depends on what our kids want out of life and where they choose to go. You know, Craig, just telling them now that they've got an investment property waiting on the side, you've blown out any hope that they're going to save anything. You realise that now, (laughs) Craig. (laughs) Just putting it out there, mate. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> I still expect them to get there themselves. I think it's still achievable, but they've got to work hard. Okay, what are you then hoping to teach them while they're at home? Mostly I just hope that they have a life that they enjoy more than anything else. It's really about ensuring that they have the lifestyle that they choose and they're able to sustain it. And Suzette, what are you hoping to teach them while they're at home? From a money perspective, if they need the support to open up that dialogue with us. In fact, I bought my first property with my parents going guarantor. I supplied all the money, but they actually were able to go on the loan originally. We are there to support them, but at the same time, we're not there to give them a hand out. And I think we've made that pretty clear to them over the years, that if they do need our support, we will work with them to help them however we can, but they need to meet us and actually provide evidence that they're actually prepared to work at it to do it as well. Nicola, I've got to ask you, what's one lesson that you have learnt from your parents when it comes to money honestly making sure that i save for certain things that i want because they always had me save and like pay because i've been paying and earning my own money through chores and i just always used to learn how to save up enough to be able to get what I want. Like 2019, I had a concert that I really wanted to go to, but I had only started working at Hoyt's. So my mum helped me pay that out straight out, but I paid her back. And that's a great 
lesson to learn, actually, that you understand the value of that dollar. And that's something similar that I would do with my younger son too. If he really wants something and he doesn't have the cash, then it's a loan. I may charge an interest rate, but I'm a little bit harsher than <laughs> your parents probably. I've got to ask you, Nicola, have you picked up any bad money habits from either of them? I don't think I've picked it up from them. I have a really bad habit of just going to the movies a lot. It is a lot cheaper for me, so it's not really expensive, but I do go off very often and that's where most of my money goes. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you, Nicola, did you learn financial literacy in school at all? Did they ever touch on that in any classes? No, I really wish they did, but we didn't really learn much. You learned the basics in maths. But that's really it. Yeah, nothing like that you can take to the real world. And that's a real shame, David, if I can just bring you in now. I mean, teaching kids about money and the value of it, it it's so important. I do sit on the board of Extra and we have just recently completed a survey as to what the needs are of students. It was really interesting to see, Nicola, you'd appreciate this, what kids from the age, I think, 10 to 17 came back with. And pretty much what we've talked about today, they want to know how to save and plan. They want to know how are they ever going to buy property? They want to know how to budget and invest. And there's a real big difference, Dave, isn't there, between saving and investing. So where do you start and how do you start teaching kids about money? Look, I've been running seminars for so long, teaching people about money. And this always comes up, people say to me, they never taught us this at school. Actually, more importantly, they say they never taught us this when we were kids. So I'm not sure that school is actually the ideal place. I think it is more a responsibility for parents. Not all parents have got the time. And in a lot of cases, a lot of parents themselves can't navigate through the system. I mean, money changes all the time. Who would have thought that, you know, your child now would never actually touch cash, that their first purchase would be by downloading something. So it is hard for parents to get their head grasped around money issues. And this is an intergenerational issue because, you know, if one generation hasn't got a clue about how to manage money, how are they going to teach the next? One thing I learned as a student teacher, you learn from teaching. And so if we give parents the job of teaching their kids, even if they don't know what it is they have to teach, if we give them the content and say, teach this to your kids, they're going to learn it at the same time. So yeah, very fair comment to come back at me with. And I can see that schools could have a big part to play in it. When do you think it's important to teach kids about money and its value? As early as possible. I remember winning some money in a sandcastle competition and it was burning a hole in my pocket and my grandparents had to explain to me how even if you spend some of it and save some of it, how that little bit that you save will grow to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And is it ever too late? So you said earlier is better, but let's say you, you're dealing with a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old. Have I left it too late? It gets harder. <laughs> Teenagers, you say, well, if you want the fancy designer labels, if you want the fancy $300 boots or shoes or whatever that all your friends have got, here's $100 towards a standard pair. If you want fancy shoes, you go and get a job at McDonald's or somewhere and earn the rest if you want anything more than that. you know. So that way they've got to make the choice. So what would be your top lesson? when it came to uh, teaching kids about money? In a nutshell, teach your kids how to be investors and there are simple ways that you can do that. Teach your kids that all of those bright, shiny objects that look so great that burn a hole in your pocket, they're not a bad thing, but you've got to have some money that you put aside and some money that you can spend. 
So draw a line down somewhere down the middle and say, well, we're going to save and we're going to have some of the things that you want. And I think every person in the world wants your money and whoever wants it the most is going to get it. And whether you let your kids stuff up a few times and then sit them down and explain to them, you know what, you just blew it. This is what you did wrong. Yeah, that's good. Nicola, look, to wrap things up a little bit, you've heard so much. What would be your key takeouts and where would you like to see yourself in the short term? I've definitely noted a lot of those saving tips like investing and saving. But my goal is really just get some studying in to be able to step into the jobs that I want and actually start a career and hopefully earn enough to at least move out and own a house. Yeah. And you know what? I always say keep things simple. And I think you have actually nailed it. Your biggest asset is yourself, Nicola. So well done in recognizing that you're at that age that investing in yourself is probably the smartest move right now take advantage of living home with the parents make sure you use it wisely and look building wealth for me i keep it pretty simple there's only a number of assets you can invest in for me cash fixed interest shares property and yourself you're nailing that one so well done i do wish you all the success it's obviously a, a lovely household that you're in and that's thanks to suzette and craig and i guess if i go back to the parents here well done it's not easy living in a brady bunch household i don't know how you do it <laughs> jokes aside my 21 year old did move out of home not financially she's still tied to the apron strings there but it was a very sad day so i do appreciate how you say you do love having such you know busyness under one household and i just want to give a shout Shout out to Kyle, Matthew and Alex. You are also golden children. There's not one golden child because as a parent, we don't have favourites. And I'd like to leave that. You believe that. <laughs> David, look, thanks so much for your time as well. I really appreciate your insights. And Nicola, thanks so much again. And I do wish you all the best with your career. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Real Money with Effie Zahos, powered by CanStar. Australia's biggest financial comparison site. CanStar's experts research and rate finance products from over 30 categories, including home loans and insurance, personal loans, super and investing. To compare products and see if you could be getting a better deal, visit canstar.com.au. As always, you'll find useful links in the show notes, but if you need more information on today's podcast topics or any other money topics, head to canstar.com.au. Do you have a money story you'd like to share? Get in touch with me at effie.zahos at canstar.com.au.